Welcome back to Meteo Project. Welcome back to you too, Rosie. Thank you. And this is our film and podcast series. Around uh, women and their work. So basically an excuse for us to meet fascinating women. Um, find out how they go about their work, how, why, why they do it. Where they've come from, what their journey's been to get there and what their hopes are for the future. It's the most uplifting conversations that we can choose to have with other women who are out there doing their thing and it's a personal and um, professional pleasure to work on this with you. Oh, it is, it is, it's, it is a lovely thing. It brings me great joy um, and I always remember um, I, had to, I was talking about this project with a group of women um, uh, last month and we had to remember what it was that we like liked about a certain project or moment and I was talked about the laughter there's always lots of laughter when we uh, when we do when we meet up to talk about this project or we meet and do recordings uh, with the different women that we meet and I just thought that was quite a joyous thing so here we go I'm pleased to introduce chapter five of Metier project and we just want to apologize for some sound quality issues on Emma's questions which I think was actually my fault as I wasn't able to be present during to check the mics um, I had to stay at home on the day of uh, filming and recording to look after a sick child but technical glitches aside I've loved editing this conversation um, listen up for Perrine's creative journey from graduate architect to co-director of her award-winning practice Russian for Fish my name's Perrine Devon and I'm an architect So we're sitting in the studio of my practice, Russian for Fish. Um, we're an architecture practice that specialises in residential architecture. Um, there's four of us, so we're quite small. Um, and I set it up in 2006. I've since been joined by another director, Nilesh. All my experience really has been in residential. Um, from kind of after degree, I did a year's experience um, with Baines and Mitchell Architects um, working on their residential projects and um, I then went and worked in India for a year and actually did a bit of exhibition design out there. But it's always been residential that's kind of struck a, a chord with me. And what, so what is, what is it about residential that, that, that strikes you? What, what do you think? I, I think partly it's because I'm nosy. Um, I really, really like knowing how people live in their houses. I like um, understanding what's important to one person and I find it fascinating that that will be totally irrelevant to the next. So each project is like a puzzle and a game that um, you don't quite know the rules for, which is really nice. Um, and I also find it quite a privilege that people trust us to come in and alter their house. How do they find you? What do you think attracts them to Russian for Fish? I think um, at the beginning a lot of it was um, friends of parents and um, friends of friends and um, yeah, word of mouth. We've just built a reputation I guess on forging quite close relationships with our clients and so a lot of our jobs are word of mouth. We do get some repeat 
clients, which is brilliant. Um, and we often end up working for families. So we'll do the parents, the children, <laughs> an aunt or an uncle. Um, so that, that's great. And we've also had quite a lot of press where we've been quite lucky. We've been listed as um, one of the top five up-and-coming architects in London and listed as one of the top ten reg residential architects in London. So, yeah, I think people are finding us through social media and the web now. Why do you think you are getting those top, top fives, top tens? What, what do you think is different about you guys? Well, I think partly it's because we have really good relationships with our clients, but I think stylistically, I guess we we keep things quite simple. Um, we are quite playful around materials. And I guess some of our projects have had quite restricted budgets, which has you know forced our arm really. We've had to we've had to be playful. We've had to use commercial materials in a residential setting or off the shelf products and team it with something bespoke to kind of elevate it and we enjoy those those games and I think that's what gets noticed that you can have really beautiful simple design without kind of all the costs that are normally associated with it. Let's um, rewind back to back to the beginning. <laughs> uh, how did architecture find you? Did you did you always want to work in architecture? Yeah so my um, I've always wanted to be an architect. My grandfather was an architect in Mumbai and my dad's an architect um, here. And uh, yeah, so th there was never really anything else I wanted to do. And people often ask me what I would do if I wasn't an architect. And I find it a really, really difficult question because I've been really lucky. I've always just been headed in this direction. I really like coming to work. <laughs> coming into a profession like that, how do you think that's affected your approach? Or I mean, I guess I've been really lucky. I've always had someone um, I could ask and that, you know, I didn't feel too silly asking because, <laughs> you know, it's my dad, I can just ask him anything. And um, I mean, I've also been really lucky with the kind of people that I've worked for. They've been real mentors as well. Yeah, I guess architecture just has surrounded me like all our photos when we were small my brothers and sisters were always standing by doors for scale like so you know it's always been something that we've been aware of um and then my mum's super interested in it she um she was an accountant but she always worked a lot with architects so it's always just been part of the family part of conversation and i think uh, i went to india and i went to visit some of the work my grandfather had done and it blew my mind, like he was in his early 30s building stadiums for, for you know, the National Sports Stadium, the Brabant Stadium. Pretty amazing, the opportunity that was there is different from the climate of today, I think. How, how does that lineage play out, if at all? There's a want to let the architecture kind of speak for itself and to keep a palette of materials quite simple, I think that runs quite heavily through definitely my dad's work. He's also very interested in the house and how people live in it and how communities are formed. It's been a really nice ongoing conversation to have and to hear how he approaches projects and larger projects and theoretical projects. So it, it's nice, it's not always what's built, it's kind of what's in the mind. And so, like for you, when you're sat there listening to a client describe, you know, I'd, I'd love, love in my house to have lots of light. How, how do you then translate what, 
they say? How does that matter? <laughs> it's tricky. I guess it's always very dependent on the house that we're, that we're sitting in and its relationship to its surroundings. Sometimes when clients are talking about what they would like or what they've seen, I can understand how that can be altered slightly or shifted to fit where we are or sometimes that you're never going to achieve quite that and so it's how you can take the, you know, if they've seen a vaulted ceiling with lots of skylights and we're sitting in a first floor apartment, you know, actually it's the light and the sense of drama that's probably quite important to them and so there's other ways that we can bring that into the project. It's about not saying no and keeping open. It's uh, it's a collaborative kind of process and a conversation that just has to keep evolving. So that initial kind of design phase where we're bouncing ideas back and forth is is crucial. It's important not to rush that bit. How long does it take? Like from when someone when someone contacts you, like how long can those conversations go on for? Well, in general, for the scale of projects that we're doing at the moment vary from some a kind of refurbishment of a house with an extension that could probably take 12 to 18 months depending on planners how quickly clients make decisions but then we've got some projects like a project in Broccoli that we're working on at the moment which is a live work unit uh, where we're two and a half years in now and we're just about to put in for planning and we've gone through various iterations of it and actually like the project that we have now is similar to previous iterations but better and it's been really nice to have this kind of period to digest and reevaluate. How much do you need to get to know a client to, in order to, to produce something that you're both happy with? Um, I think we're getting better in uh, knowing which clients we gel with and which clients are going to take a bit longer for everything to settle. Most of our clients are really engaged and they, you know, they care about the homes that they live in, care about good design and they look at things and so actually it comes quite easily through conversations and they get excited and that's when you suddenly start, you, then you get excited and, and then, yeah, it's a nice process then. It feels like quite a big responsibility to that design where they'll be living. Yeah, I guess it is a big responsibility to design someone's home and that's what we always keep in mind it's someone's home and yeah it's something we we always bear in mind perfect project is that we can leave and they can have a kind of beautiful canvas and then they can add all their stuff and it immediately becomes their space their spirit their house and so right from the outset we always ask clients to send us as much visual information as possible and not about necessarily I've seen this product I like this I like this color but more about the kind of ambience and the kind of feel of the space that they want to have at the end so you're, you're busy designing other people's homes I've like is your own house like is that like perfectly designed <laughs> do you have like do you leave work at work and <laughs> that's a good question my um, partner's an architect, so work is never left in the office. Definitely our house is not um, perfectly designed. It's a, it's a real work in progress at the moment. 
we've got some plans. We did design our old apartment together, um, which it was an old studio flat in a, a converted bakery, and it had been converted in the 1980s. And it was one of those flats that even on kind of the summer solstice, you'd get up and turn the light on. So we got permission to put a window in the east elevation, which immediately kind of gave us this dual aspect. And then we got the morning light and got some direct sunlight for a few hours. Uh, it was, I mean, it was a large studio to start with, but we reconfigured it to make a kind of one and a half bedroom apartment, which was fantastic. And that was a great place to live. And I guess that's where we started being slightly playful because we had quite a tight budget and it was just Matt and I living in the flat. So when we made a master bedroom, we just put huge doors on it because actually we wanted it to be a studio flat. And so it was only when we had guests coming to stay that we could had to close off the bedroom. And um, we painted a big checkerboard pattern uh, across the existing timber floor because we couldn't kind of afford to rip it out and replace it. Um, and so you worked with Matt on that project? Yeah, we were, yeah, I mean, I guess he was kind of my client. <laughs> but it was definitely kind of a collaborative project. And so the, from what I understand, is the architecture world, is it quite, is it quite small? Yeah, the architecture world, I guess, in London, well, in any way, I guess it's quite small. I guess it's like any kind of design community. You end up at the same events and um, obviously lots of the people I studied with are still in London and have their own practices so, or work for other practices. Um, so if, if we need to find a structural engineer, we've got a big network of friends we can go out to. We've got quite a good network of consultants and contractors that we work with. We, we, we have to recommend them, we've got to work with them, the client's got to work with them, so it's important that we have people that we trust. I think it took me about 10 years from starting degree to holding the piece of paper that said <laughs> you're a professional <laughs> um, but that's partly because after degree I took two years out I worked for a year in London and then worked for a year in India then I came back and did my masters and then worked for a couple of years after that before signing up to do all my exams <laughs> for the most part I really really enjoyed the process I I think the degree is a really amazing degree because it makes you think laterally, you're taught so much and it's a really good base. Lo lots of people don't go on to study architecture but go into other design fields and I think, um, yeah, I think it's a really kind of good foundation. Was there any equipment you wavered in the degree when you were doing a degree that you thought about doing something else? Just before I did my degree, I did a foundation um, at um, Chelsea where I thought, oh, maybe I should do fine art. <laughs> and one of the tutors was um, pushing me to make that leap, but I, I didn't. <laughs> and actually, I'm quite pleased I didn't. <laughs> I mean, my favorite exercise during the kind of fine art process was we did a lot of life drawing. I enjoyed getting the body in proportion and I enjoyed the idea of proportion. And I think that translates really well into architecture and especially residential architecture you know humans occupy these spaces and so I think in my mind it was quite I'm not a frustrated artist because I've just pulled all of that into what I do now and I still play with colour and texture and
um, I, I finished my degree and I worked for a year in London at a company called Baines and Mitchell Architects, who are bigger now, but um, and work in Soho. But they're great, and I'm still in touch with them. And I worked with them for a year, and then I went to Mumbai and I worked there for a year on more exhibition design actually than residential. But uh, it was kind of heart <laughs> heart wrenching to come back. I came back to finish studying, but I always thought I'd end up going back to. Mumbai. Yeah, then I came back and I think that was the hardest part of the education, going back into your fourth year and you've got used to working, having some money, having some free time and then suddenly you're a student again and you're skint <laughs> and you're working 24-7 on your college work. And um, But yeah, I, so it took, me, it took a good year to kind of settle in and then fifth year felt much more at ease and had a really lovely project that was based down in Bermondsey which was designing it was in an old disused toilet I turned it into um, a hammam for women it was just a really great year I had really supportive tutors that kind of um, positive reinforcement you know rather than yelling at you if you weren't quite producing the right thing or you couldn't quite you know they'd spend time teasing out what you were trying to get at which was really important and it was I guess that was really the start of Russian for Fish because at the end of that year a friend of mine called me up and said that a architectural competition had been released by Southwark Council and it was for the conversion of two disused WCs on Tower Bridge Road and one of the disused lose was my site and he thought I should enter um, and the problem was it was for qualified architects only so I wasn't eligible so I teamed up with another friend of mine who was qualified and we entered under Russian Fish and we were awarded first place so it was it was <laughs> an amazing thing I remember being totally dazed when I got the phone call and then them having a small panic when they realised I was still a student. Yeah, that was the start of Russian for Fish and although it was very much a part-time entity then, it just kind of started building momentum. So the name Russian for Fish, um, well, the Russian word for fish is Reba. Uh, which is the acronym used by the Royal Institute of British Architects. It, it came about because since I was tiny, I've always had goldfish. Um, when we had to enter the competition, it was all anonymous and you, um, you just entered and on the, every page of the submission and on the big A1 boards that we had to produce, you just had a symbol. And so I just took a photo of my goldfish in plan. <laughs> and that, yeah, that was on and so it, it came out of that. My mum had her own practice, my dad has his own practice. I, I think in my mind I always thought I'd have my own practice. I think when I started out, although I'd set up Russian for Fish kind of with a friend because she was qualified and we thought maybe we could work together further on some competitions, actually she worked full time so it was logistically difficult to get things to work. So Russian for Fish was kind of there but but kind of not, and I was working part-time, teaching part-time, and wondering what Russian for Fish could, could be. And then we landed our first project, which 
was amazing. It was to convert a top floor apartment that had been offices back into a residential apartment. And it was then I realised actually I can't do everything <laughs> and I had to kind of prioritise. It was a long time after that actually that I stopped teaching and that Russian Fish became the sole occupation. But actually uh, from September I'm going back to teach again because I quite enjoy that. <laughs> yeah. And so what so you have employees? Yeah, so at the moment I'm the founding director and there's another director, Nilesh. And you know when you just click with someone we realised we were, we've got different skill sets but are totally on the same page. It took three years but in 2014 he came back and yeah, we've been going from strength to strength since then, which is great. And I think I never really wanted to run a practice on my own. It's can be quite lonely I think it's really healthy to have someone to bounce ideas across and you know I, I'm an architect I'm not a businesswoman so sometimes when I'm trying to make decisions for the business you know and we've got two other employees it's not just me it's, so it's really healthy to have someone to discuss it with <laughs> share the burden <laughs> Yeah, you, you are a businesswoman though, Perina. <laughs> That's what they never teach you at architecture school, like how much admin and contract law and a lot of the time we're administering the contract, you know, we need to be, be up on all that and advise our clients professionally and also, you know, maintain kind of an impartiality that we're, it, it, which is another kind of strange process that you go from you're working solely for the client during the kind of initial design phases and then getting all the kind of detailed design phase and then you get to site and you know they, they want you to be on their side totally but actually you're then part of a bigger team you've got to make sure that they're fair to the contractor and the contractor's fair to them and the, it's all of that stuff that you have to learn on the job and I understand why you have to have had the experience before you can do your kind of professional exams because no amount of teaching in the university is going to explain that to you or, you know, get you to understand how that feels and how you navigate it. So the two other people you have here other than Nilich, what kind of ethos, what are you trying to instil in them? Like, what do you think is the, is the specific Russian fish style that you kind of values? Yeah, so we, uh, currently we've got Lawrence working with us. He just finished his part two. Um, and Victor, who um, is a Spanish architect. And I guess it's really important to us that the office is a collaborative space. So, you know, we all sit around the same table. We all work, generally, we all work across all projects, just at varying stages. And so everyone knows what's going on. You know, we have materials out. So we'll often hand something over to them and ask them to see what they come up with. And then we sit and have design reviews. So, I mean, obviously we want to teach them how to detail things well and they come to site with us and they see how, you know, we relate to contractors, how we manage site meetings, general construction things, but fundamentally we want them to to learn and to be part of the team and not to feel that we've just got them in to sit and draw our ideas because that's not, not how it works. What are your hopes for the practice? Like what, what's, what would be your dream project to work on what you know where do you where do you hope things will go to just a little question there <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean at the moment Russian for fish is in a really great place we are 
getting slightly larger projects. When Nilesh well, came back in 2014, it was our ultimate goal to get one new build. And it's amazing, we're now working on three. We just like to, to get them built. <laughs> <laughs> to have them under our belts <laughs> and we're working on a fantastic live work scheme which is the conversion of an old engineering workshop down in southeast London and we're getting kind of slightly larger refurbishment projects so I guess our intention is to to keep moving in this direction um, like to do some exhibition design maybe some retail um, which would be fantastic um, and for you personally, what do you, what do you, want to happen, like professionally or you know, in life? Yeah, in terms of Russian for fish, I just, I want it to keep building momentum. I want us to keep producing work that we're proud of, that are true to kind of the nature of the the practice. And some of the difficulty that comes with that is, it's really easy to get swamped in in office management and um, it's also easy to worry that we've got employees, we've got mortgages and children and there has to be money at the end of the month to pay everyone, to pay rent. It's having kind of confidence or not letting the fear of not having money at the end of the month allow you to take on too much work and not have time to kind of think things through and, you know, um, ruminate on kind of what materials and how the house should be. Like, projects need time to kind of germinate in your mind and if that doesn't happen, then the end result won't be half as good as it, it should be. And so, yeah, there's a, there's a balance to trying to, to have the right amount of projects in the office and not just say yes because you're nervous. I suppose, because you, you did just touch on um, children there, and I suppose I was just interested just about how that balance works with um, running your own practice and, and, and having a family. Yeah, so um, I've got a daughter, May, she's going to be two in August. It's been an interesting learning curve trying to get it to work with work. In a way, it's been totally fantastic because it meant I could work from home some days before um, you know when I was out here and couldn't walk <laughs> and was exhausted and didn't want to come and try and sit behind a computer with a huge belly um, so it gave me flexibility before she was born and when and when she was born I had three months off where I just still kind of kept on top of the payroll and stuff but otherwise was not involved in projects and then after three months I came back part-time starting with one day and then gradually building it up over I think by the time May was about nine months I was back full-time. It, it's been brilliant I mean she's a really she's a really easygoing kid so that helps um, and Matt is amazingly supportive um, and we have amazing childcare. <laughs> but if we didn't have that support I don't I don't know how I'd have been able to come back to work, which always kind of shocks me that I could have trained for ten years and then actually not been able to come back and do what I love. And it got to a point where on maternity leave 
I was kind of going stir crazy. I love May, I love spending time with her, but I love working. <laughs> and if I couldn't do this, I'd be a very miserable, <laughs> a miserable mum to her, I think. <laughs> so yeah. I love the fact that I get to come to the studio every day and it's a space where it's, it's me, it's a different type of part of my brain that I'm working. I love the fact that, you know, during, well, sometimes I love the fact that during one day I could work on, you know, eight different projects. Um, last question. Is May showing any of the Dove One architectural fair? <laughs> uh, she's pretty good at drawing. <laughs> and she can count to ten already, so, you know, <laughs> that's good. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I'm really worried that I'm going to turn into one of those moms that are like, no, 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 what do you mean you like? <laughs> English doing architecture <laughs> yeah see yeah secretly I'm hoping she'll be fourth generation it's been a really nice experience it's good to do these things it makes you actually think about where you are and where you might be going <laughs>